You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. How and why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story in Knock'em Stiff. You ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house? I know what my daddy did. Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. When people look back on it, they had no other choice. There's a lot of no good sons of bitches out there. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner? Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at JokesOnDrew. All right, this episode is our review of The Devil All the Time, a sprawling crime drama set in the middle of America, in the middle of nowhere, frankly speaking, spanning the time between the end of World War II and the ramp up to the Vietnam War. Evil takes its many forms through several sinister characters, converging around a young man protecting his loved ones in a town full of corruption and brutality. The film has a deep and impressive collection of talent, starting with Tom Holland, who most folks know as the current incarnation of the Peter Parker Spider-Man in the MCU. He is joined by fellow Marvel superhero Sebastian Stan, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, as well as Bill Skarsgård, a.k.a. Pennywise the Clown from It and It Chapter 2. Robert Pattinson is also here from Twilight, The Lighthouse, and soon to be the title character in The Batman. You also have Haley Bennett from the Netflix original movie The Red Sea Diving Resort, Harry Melling from two Netflix originals, The Old Guard and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Riley Keough, who is also from two Netflix originals with Hold the Dark and Earthquake Bird. At the helm of this one is co-writer and director Antonio Campos, who is known for Martha Marcy May Marlene and for recently directing one of the films in the homemade collection of quarantine shorts that Netflix put out a couple months ago. Campos adapted the script from the novel of the same name written by Donald Ray Pollock, who also provides the narration throughout the film. Joining me in our review today is my friend and fellow critic who goes under the moniker Arguing With Myself, Mr. Chris Ferdell. If you are a frequent listener of this podcast, and I hope you are, you've heard Chris on here quite a few times. I always enjoy his insight and his humor, so it was a pleasure to have him on for this one as well. I would encourage you all to follow Arguing With Myself on Twitter at ArguingWMyself, on Instagram at ArguingWith, and on Facebook under Arguing With Myself. I also urge anyone who hasn't already to please subscribe, 
rate and review this podcast, The Nomcast, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. All right, here it is, our review of The Devil All the Time with Chris Frodel. Give a listen. All right, one of my favorite guys to talk to, straight out of Knock'em Stiff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> one of 400, uh, not knowing who's his relative and who's not, but probably relative. Mr. Chris Rodell, thanks for coming back, sir. Thank you, brother. I believe you're my brother. Are you my brother? <laughs> Man. Yeah. How are you? So I'm, gl- I'm glad you're on for this one. Uh, I'm, we were lucky enough through Netflix to, to get a little bit of a early jump on this one to try to get our thoughts out for the release day. Very excited for that. This is also a movie that touches a lot of things that I know tickle your fancy. And I'm oh. not talking about any kind of like the degradation or sad stuff that's in here. I'm talking about. No, it's all fetishized. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> like the cast here just screams you. I know like you get teased uh, in other segments of your life that you are Mr. Marvel. So yeah. we have some of the MCU here. We have a little bit of now current DC action here. Uh, you know, it's, it's a huge cast and that's what made me uh, want to talk about this movie so much, but I want to know your first impressions with this film. Did you see a trailer? Did you have anything? Or is this another one where I was like, check this one out because we're going to talk about it. And then we rock and roll. No, I saw the trailer and I was riveted from that. Uh, I said, I, I want to see this. I was anxious to see this. And uh, it actually looked by the trailer to be a movie set to be released in the theater, mm. which is a first for, forgive me, watching a Netflix uh, film. It felt like it was theater ready. Well, where I'll say, most, of, most of the stuff is like popcorn that right. they release, um, well, here's which what is I'll fun say. and good. Here's what I'll say that might help you with that is that I noticed in the notes that I saw on IMDb, I believe that this movie was shot on 35 millimeter, which is rare for Netflix to get that passed, especially on something like this, where it's kind of an indie film, even Mm -hmm. though it has big stars, it definitely feels more like, you know, almost like an indie. It's not an anthology build, but it's got that kind of, you know, folk, tale construction a little bit it's like southern gothic you know kind of mixture here uh that definitely screams kind of like indie stuff which again 35 millimeter through a netflix budget through a netflix prism is rare so that's definitely true yeah so it it stood out to me and uh i was surprised at the end coming to netflix so uh it i love films like these so Spoiler alert, I'm glad I wasn't disappointed uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in the outcome. But um, I thought you chose me for this because we have uh, some regulars of the uh, MCU, yes, yep. as you uh-huh. mentioned, but also Red Sea Diving yep. Resort. I, I was very excited when she popped up. Haley Bennett right? uh, is who you're alluding to, who plays Charlotte here. Uh, yeah, yep. Red Sea Diving Resort. And I hope you're excited that she will also be 
in an upcoming Netflix film, Hillbilly Elegy, which is getting a lot of buzz. It's a Ron Howard film that's coming what? out towards the end of the year. Uh, so, uh, well, I actually believe maybe that's a November release they're, they're looking for. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it's getting a lot of, you know, Oscar buzz for Amy Adams and Glenn Close. So it's got a lot of, uh, and it's obviously got that hillbilly charm. So maybe, right. you know, <laughs> She's being typecast now. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we're uh, we're gonna see more of that that southern charm, that southern uh, gloss <laughs> that she had on here. Her accent was pretty decent, so I'll, I'll take yeah. it. You know, uh, I was gonna say, and originally uh, Chris Evans was gonna be in this. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So you're bringing everyone who's familiar with e- with each other. But in funny MCU terms, which I yeah. think this is not the first time, is that. Sebastian Stan and Chris Evans have kind of crossed paths as replacements for each other before. Yes, uh, I believe. I forget for which one, but uh, yeah, yeah, it is funny how uh, the Winter Soldier and yeah. the Captain America have interchangeable parts. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's obviously what we're dealing with here. But yeah, yeah. I saw that note too, and I, I, it's even more impressive. I mean, nothing to you know sideline sebastian stan i wouldn't say that uh no he did amazing in this but if you're saying chris evans would have been in that role here i think it elevates that role or at least you pay attention harder to that role which sebastian stan i think plays it to the appropriate level that it should Mm -hmm. be because would you say that this film even though the the laundry list of talent, uh, which I mentioned a lot in the intro of this, yeah. I mean, just to run through quick, I mean, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Haley Bennett, Sebastian Stan, Harry Melling, uh, so many, uh, Riley Keough, there's a m- bunch of people here that are known names or high and rising names oh, yeah. uh, coming through here. But I would say for the most part that this story is Tom Holland. Like he's, he's basically, even when they say the plot, they say that it kind of centers around a young man kind of trying to, to kind of protect his family and the people who he cares about mm-hmm. from the outside evil sources, sinister characters uh, yeah. that go on here. And I guess that is true. I feel that is accurate uh, when you're talking about a movie like this, but the one thing that I would say about this film, and I and I liked it too. So if you want to rip off that spoiler version, I'm going to yeah, try to yeah. set the other spoilers back a little bit. Right. But mm-hmm. and from our listeners, I will try to give as much heads up as humanly possible when we switch over. But yep. this movie is Tom Holland, and Tom. I would say the first thing I would I wanted to ask you for sure is besides your general thoughts on the film. What was your impression of Tom Holland kind of stepping out here? I mean, most people just know him as Spider-Man. And this is an interesting kind of, especially while he's still in the height of Spider-Man, doing a film like this. And he also has another film uh, coming up soon that is now, of course, it is a Russo Brothers movie. So it's going to still, you know, have some MCU tie. But He's going to be in another movie coming up later this year. Well, God willing, everything that people yeah. say is coming up later. Yep. Maybe not. Film uh, to theaters. Exactly. Yeah. It's this film, Cherry, uh, that's, like I said, directed by the Russo brothers, where he plays a former army medic turned bank robber. So he's mm. kind of playing these, you know, duplicitous characters or maybe, you know, 
having some kind of a darker side like do, do you whether you're interested in that later film is you know besides the point but at least for this film in particular do yeah. you buy what tom holland is selling in this film oh yeah of course uh you know what i love when actors and actresses are given a chance like this right where yeah everyone looks at him as peter parker everyone yeah. looks at him as spider-man it's just like are you really going to give someone who is most notable a superhero a good guy mm. and then have this turn where he's morally ambiguous yeah um and you know you have an english actor playing a kid from the bronx brooklyn uh, no yeah, i know no, no, he's no. from queens and captain america is brooklyn i'll say it he has a New York accent. He's an English uh, kid. Yeah. Um, and then here he goes Southern. They all go Southern. Yes. Like heavy accent. Although it's Midwestern. Is, so it's kind of right. like that uh, David Some Cross. Of the characters. David Cross has a bit where it's like how the, the hillbilly, like the redneck accent is not par party to like, it has to be from down south or it has to be yeah. from this region. It is regionless. Like there's people like, I'm from I'm from Southern Connecticut. What are you talking about? I'm from yeah. It's like so <laughs> yeah. there's people who are just if you're just outside of the city, somehow you yeah. pick up the redneck accent. But yes. But you know, there's certain cadences uh out of the uh accents. Uh, like Robert Pattinson uh went, you know, a little higher octave than everyone else. Yes. Um but uh, still, it was a choice, which, again, I have to hammer this uh, into the conversation. Everyone did an excellent job in this this film. I was invested in each character, uh, how, you know, vile they were or, mm. you know, how, uh, you know, angelic uh, yes. their thought process. But overall, like, I, I, yeah, Tom Holland carried most of the film, I would yeah. say. Because he he's he's the bulk of it, really. Well, um, he's kind of the the north he's, star. He's a go through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He because you know he's a person who has something to overcome versus say other people who are just who they are. The like these yeah. sinister, awful, like you said, vile characters um, who have ulterior motives, even though they're maybe supposed to be on the surface more pure of heart, or at least uh, a a guiding light in some fashion, yeah. uh, a, a, a person in the community who should be uh, more honest and, and virtuous than they are in the film. Uh, yeah. But I was very impressed with Tom Holland in terms of, I thought he, he carried a certain tone that matched the movie very well. I think cause he is kind of the, the, the through line. He is the, the person that he's not always in every scene, you know, it's right. kind of like a, a very much an ensemble piece, but he is the person who, you know, gets tied into basically everything. So yeah. you need him to kind of hit a certain note and to, and to match a person with, you know, obviously what happens to him in this story uh, you know, with his, you know, father's uh, turmoil, you know, uh, you know, having uh, definitely just, you know, being kind of, you know, abandoned uh, and also dealing with loss and everything else is just a lot to deal with. Yeah. 
on top of, you know, trying to still maintain a moral compass and a moral center and trying to do what's right in a place that is largely corrupt, uh, you know, yeah. is kind of, you know, hard to pull off. And, and he's always felt like an outsider. So he definitely carries all of those things, the layered character that he is throughout the film. And as you said, like the accents are there. For, for everybody here, a lot of people who are not traditional with these accents. And yet, I did not think anybody was a stereotype or a caricature right. in any way. Yeah. I didn't feel like anything got taken out. Although, I will put the caveat, which should be known in any form. If you're dealing with Robert Pattinson, you're going right. to get some <laughs> kooky version uh, yeah. you know, an accent that is going to be his and his alone, no matter where it is. King. Exactly. I was going to bring yeah. up the King because you and I did that together. You and I should know better uh, more than anybody else that, and that is the wildest version of all of this, yeah. you know, yeah. otherwise he could be, you know, he could be straight up in places, you know, especially his franchise work. He's going to be more straight up, but when yeah. he does these smaller characters you know that are in these kind of more indie films yeah yeah he dials it up he basically grabs these characters and makes it these absolute unique gems uh that you need to 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 sit up and take notice well much like tom uh, i'm glad that you know he's given opportunities to show his range beyond being edward cullen you know um he uh you know again he has his choices he uses but you know more power to him, you know, if, if he feels like he wants to be this flamboyant preacher, you know, yeah, let him do it because he's, he's not necessarily going to stand out above everyone else. Right. But he's definitely going to make his presence known. Yeah. I I guess the reason why I led with the Holland thought, besides the fact that he's kind Mm -hmm. of the center of the film, but he's also uh, a person who you really don't know him from anything else. If I said Robert Pattinson, the first thing people say is Twilight. The next oh, thing maybe they're saying, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. Although it's funny because that popped up on my Amazon Prime recommendations. I think because oh, I've been watching a decent amount of Pattinson lately. Yeah. But the, uh, and yes, I know, I'm sorry, Netflix podcast, I mentioned the enemy. Uh, I shouldn't, Oof. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Better you Netflix than me. Overlords. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but, Holland doesn't have this kind of like larger resume to point to for other things. I know he's been in other things. I'm not naive, but like at the same time, it's Spider-Man and then there's everything else way down the line. The, I was going to say, I can't think of anything right now no, uh, besides Spider-Man. Either. Right. Was it? He wasn't, he wasn't Billy Elliot, was he? No. Um, he was the young Billy, I believe, but even then nobody knew who he was. Then. Right. So that's, and, and, and even if you want to say like, oh, well, he's a voice and onward that's voice work you don't get to kind of associate but that's still again something larger i guess or at least you know with a bigger studio and i was gonna say and essentially he was playing peter parker (laughs) kind of kind of yeah 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 so but again robert pattinson you can point to other things but he went through this long period of being in a bunch of indie films to kind of shake that persona to shake the the twilight series from that to where now he's kind of more renowned uh as an indie darling he's like the a24 guy and now he's breaking out again and then joins up in in more blockbusters again by now doing the batman and doing tenet 
So he's kind of back in that purview, but it took him a long time in between to kind of shake what he had so he could basically show he could do everything. I feel like this mm -hmm. is Tom Holland's first version of that. You also have Sebastian Stan here, which I wasn't too concerned about him, not only because Winter Soldier is not a full-on franchise solo character, although he is getting right. a half of his own series uh, coming up on Disney+, Plus, but yeah. you, I've seen him in other things where I am fully confident that he is a good actor who can care like i really liked him in i Tanya, for instance uh so. and that's that's the first reference i made because uh my wife melanie she's uh she's not big into the comic book movies right uh so she's like when i said oh my god that's sebastian stan because i didn't really concentrate on who was in it i just saw the trailer once a while back right and that was it and then i'm looking at this guy i'm like he looks familiar yeah, he, like he really melds into it. He doesn't yeah. look uh, – he, he's <laughs> – I don't know what it is. I, I Honestly, I looked at pictures of him, like stills yeah. from the movie, and yeah. it's weird because I thought he looked kind of like the pudgy cop. Pudgy? But yeah. I, I looked at the pictures. I'm like, he's skinnier than me, so I don't know. <laughs> like, I, no, I'm I not know. saying it, I'm it, not pudgy. but It, like, it yeah, looked it's like the in face. the face. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I told uh, I told her that uh, I was like, oh, he was he was the Winter Soldier. She shrugged her shoulders and goes, uh huh. I was like, okay, <laughs> he was a Naitani. He was Jeff Gauli. And she's like, oh my god, oh my god, that's him. I'm yeah, like, that's him. Yeah. So yeah, he can do other stuff, and he definitely goes with the flow of whatever he's playing. And so, the Gauli character is not too far off from kind of the the self important kind of you know corrupt sheriff that he's playing yeah. here so you know you got that in the back burner uh so he could definitely do more and i know yeah. he could do more and then for everybody else here i mean they're not really tied to franchises so you, it's kind of just nice to see some of these other people you know stretch their legs or or give some more balance to their resume so yeah i was very impressed with the the cast here i was impressed with just the overall fact that you have so many big names here and yet mm -hmm. nobody tries to outplay anybody. It kind of feels like a play, you know, where you yeah. can kind of just dip in on characters. They're never, you know, offbeat, you know, they're, they're right. staying in their lane. They're staying in the pocket. I was very impressed with that. Uh, and I also am impressed by Campos, uh, Antonio Campos here, the director to yeah. kind of, have this sense of mood and dread that he likes to to put in his films that yeah and especially even uh kudos to the the composer here too because the music uh definitely sets a tone throughout uh you know because it's hard there's so many little light-hearted moments and most of them happen very much in the beginning uh yeah before it gets really dark really fast probably 20 30 minutes into the movie but in yeah. the films Bill Skarsgård stuff when he's got this optimistic look ahead you know there yeah. is some lighter tones but when it really needs to hone in on the tension uh and kind of the the real nastiness of some of the characters the, mm -hmm. the music really hums and and really sets a good pace for a film like this the film yeah. is a little longer than I thought it was going to be it's like probably like 210 you know maybe a little bit longer um yeah but it doesn't uh, feel fat I was going to say, when we got to the end, uh, you know, as soon as credits hit, I saw that there was like 
six to eight minutes yeah. of credits left. Right. It's like, okay, get that out of the, the runtime. Sure. You know? Yeah. So um, it's probably like, so two, yeah, it's wait, about two ten. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So, but, but uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so like the, the film to me, if I was to describe it to someone is it's an itchy film. Like it's one of those, like I never felt comfortable in my seat. And, you know, cause again, like going back to the kind of dread feeling and kind of the, this cloud that hangs over the film as yeah. soon as it really starts to turn dark is it's very effective, but it is oh, yeah. very much a, an uncomfortable sit uh, from the minute that it really starts, you know, people start dropping. Uh, and even yeah. then like early it's, you even get that moment um, when uh, Bill Skarsgård's character is overseas in wartime. And yeah. that obviously make, sets the film on its ear very early. Uh, yeah. It really kind of turns heads with that. But the one thing that I do want to go over with you, because there is a main issue that the film kind of does here, even for all the things that I said that I truly like. The one thing that yes. bugged me after the film was over oh, okay is that for a movie that has a ton of imagery and platitudes and kind of like religious themes and all these other overarching things i don't know if it actually had a point or a message to drive home at the end of the day like because you know it's more just survival you know it's kind of yeah. just and trying to find your way so it's it's more or less i guess even though it has so many characters, it's basically mm -hmm. Holland's character study or it's a slice of life folktale. You know, it's got a lot of, you know, I don't know, maybe a little Faulkner, a little, a little kind of, you know, I don't know. Like I said, that Southern Gothic, yeah. the, the kind of folklore fairy tale thing to it in a, in a, in a dirty, dark, dusty sense. Uh, but obviously we're in the Midwest here, so it's not Southern, but you get the, the point. But still it's pressure. like, I, I think, I, I wrote down a question for the, uh, the author. Um, and here he is. No, I'm just no, no, <laughs> no, I, it, you know, uh, uh, Donald Ray Pollock. Yes. Who, who actually uh, does the, book, the narration for the film as well. Which was killing me uh, with be, before I, you know, actually looked it up. I was like, why does this guy's voice sound familiar? Mm. And uh, there's no way I'm going to, you know, pick up on it um, sure. because it was first time for, for him to lend his voice to anything. Right. Um, but, and I'm just guessing here that he may have an issue with people who are religious because there's a I lot of people <laughs> who do some unsavory things in the name of God, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, or there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, you have certain characters that are, doing certain activities that they're saying that they're getting closer to God in those moments. Right. And they're very <laughs> warped uh, sense of, of that faith where Tom Holland's character, uh, he doesn't have that. He doesn't grasp onto it because of earlier in his childhood, mm -hmm. uh, the traumas that he, that he's endured. He, he doesn't grasp on it like everyone else. So right. in a sense, he who's without faith, you know, prospers. Yeah, I would sense. almost. And I don't want to give away anything. Yes. 
I, I would add to that in a way that I kind of put it through the the issue with authority because mm-hmm. there are people who are religious in here, but they don't ultimately pay. Not everyone like pays for their the sin of being religious here, of but course. I but the people who are the the leaders of the religion uh, within that you know community. Yeah. That's when you start to see you know the snake oil and the mm-hmm. and the deceit and the uh, just the real nasty underbelly of some of these characters. Yeah. And you definitely have you know. I, I agree with you. I just want to put that there. I, I agree with you, but I think it maybe if you add in the sheriff, you add in some of these people who have, are kind of putting their their thumb on on the community and how yeah. they're really kind of underneath it all, not good for the community. I think right. that is maybe you know the distrust that maybe he can see in a community like that. Because the the one thing about the author himself is that he is actually born in knockham stiff knockham stiff is yeah. a real place which i thought it was made up i totally the, i was the like there that can't be true uh like, that there's this places named that but i was just like nah, i think it's for the story sure this is i thought this was his <laughs> castle rock this is his kind of like you know small town author yeah. made up area that's this is his place but no it turns out he was born there and the place that he uh calls mead in here uh there is a town that is kind of like the placeholder for that like mead is the concoction or the version the book version of this place that is that close to where knockham stiff is yeah and he actually lives there currently so he's still in that area he's still living and breathing this type of community this type of area of southern ohio west virginia kind of nook so but like going back to what I was saying, I, I just don't know if I was left with anything that to take home with me, like mm, whether yeah. it was just, you know, a survival, you know, because there's a bunch of movies that you can say have k- kind of multiple characters with some crossover that don't really teach you anything. I mean, Pulp Fiction comes to mind. Now yeah. you don't learn any lessons from Pulp Fiction, no. but it's just so wild, wildly entertaining that you just go, "God damn, I would watch this movie over and over." And and it's it's a it's a good time. It's it's a pulp comic. It it knew what its yeah. source was, and you can kind of jive with that. When I usually watch movies like this, that kind of pick apart some institutions like religion or any of these things they usually have some kind of message to them or something i just don't think that i came out of it besides going people suck and that was basically the overarching message like the fact that they repeatedly say in the film as kind of a mantra that there's just bad people everywhere there's so many bad people in the world that's basically the the message of the movie and i don't know if that's enough to hold this movie in my consciousness going forward (laughs) i would just and unfortunately a lot of the things that will stick with me are some of the more images that i rather wish i didn't see or pieces that you know are just vile like we keep saying yeah what was the uh the line was repeated by uh tom holland's character arvin um but someone had said it previously that, you know, some people are born just to, 
die or some people are just well, no, born yeah. to uh Sebastian Sands be buried. the sheriff uh says it and it's actually in the trailer I believe he says you yeah. know some people were born just to be buried and yeah. you know, you know I mean so and this maybe is the- maybe that's it that's that's yeah. what he was going for you know he's just like hey listen you know sometimes there's no rhyme nor reason we just you know either walk through life uh in a daze or we're just you know going straight to the grave right and i guess i maybe needed something here just because otherwise you're literally telling me that this person and the people who kind of grace through his path have the worst luck in the history of mankind throughout their their family oh, yeah. and associates so yeah, talk about so, family curse you know <laughs> yeah and 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 it spreads throughout the community and i understand yeah. they make it a point that the community is largely built through inbreeding so maybe you're literally just saying this is a cursed family that just spreads its disease everywhere yeah um but i mean and and one of the other themes that they try to play with here is the fact that this movie is the end of World War II through the beginning of Vietnam. So the yeah. bookend of, you know, coming home and go- possibly going to war, you know, kind of plays with the idea of the, the, the corrupt political or the feeling of, you know, coming out of something where we felt a war that, you know, people felt better coming home from and then leading up to a war that didn't feel good throughout its history and had you know some real complications with people coming home from that one so it's a different time that you're following through here so i i wonder like i said he's playing with religion he's playing with you know uh politics and war and you know kind of i don't feel like there's enough uh philosophical things to maybe chew on after i felt like the movie was over i i kind of just feel and even at the end of the film you kind of don't even feel great for tom holland so i mean you get you don't exactly have like i said it's not comfortable at any moment and it kind of just plays with well people are terrible everywhere which kind of lends to the title of the devil all the time the devil is constantly active uh if you believe in such things or the devil within us throughout the entire film um i wanted to ask you because you brought it up too we were talking about the narration how did that feel for you did that add or detract anything uh in the film for you because what i'll say for myself I don't know if it added or detracted anything from me. I did kind of like, especially on rewatch kind of feel moments where I was like, this could have been told through, through just actual the scene playing out, or this could have been omitted because, you know, as a whole practice, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I definitely don't think they overused it or anything, but I definitely think that they used it as a crutch to kind of set some things or, or maybe try to use some connective tissue through the narration to kind of spell some things out that maybe would have gotten lost had they not used it. I would have preferred that over what was used because uh, sort of like uh Brodicker, him and Sandy being brother and sister. Yes. They in the film, you know, say the, those cringy lines like, Hey, brother of mine, or like, you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. sis, you know, yeah. it's like no one talks like that. No, I ever. know. Yeah. You know, uh, so 
you have you have that which he could have stepped in and said, you know, and, and this is uh, Lee Brodeker's uh, sister, Sandy, who works at the diner, who's married to Carl. You know, right. you could have yeah. did that without, you know, without having the characters themselves yeah. spell it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you're playing with an adaptation of a book here, sometimes the the reworking of how the structure is of the book to getting here to try to tell something mm-hmm. slightly more linear, maybe, than then the book presents that you're going to try to have to, you know, rework the puzzle. And sometimes you have to rely on other sources like a narration or a possibly a clumsy exposition line here and there Mm -hmm. to kind of just move things along. And I don't think it was too jarring when they do that. I mean, the movie does move well. Uh, The pacing is quite good. Like I said, and the mood holds so I can forgive some of those, uh, as long as the story stays consistent and moves along and yeah. and keeps me engaged, which I definitely think that was the case. I just thought, like, if I was going to detract anything from here is that it's not something to where I can go. I, I, I don't need to learn lessons, maybe, so to speak, but at least right. I need to have some kind of propulsion besides just moving along uh, yeah. a series of terrible incidents over and over and what i will say because i I was bringing up the narration the one thing that it did for me Mm. uh, and added for me was when something horrible is happening yeah and the narration comes on afterwards i go oh god thank goodness somebody else saw this (laughs) i felt because i'm watching the movie alone and i'm watching this degradation this terrible people uh um i it felt nice to kind of have some folksy man come on and go well, they got through that moment and uh, yeah. then they moved on to this. I was like, "Woo! thank goodness. Thank you, partner. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the Dukes of Hazard. You know, <laughs> yeah. every so often it's like, well, the, the, the boys got out of this one again. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> like I was expecting that could come in. It's just like, oh man, that, that shootout was uh, pretty intense. Yeah. Hope the boys recover, you know, or something like that. <laughs> see you, know? you next week. Yeah, yeah, see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> in the General League. Sorry, yeah. that's problematic. Yeah, um, I know. But uh, the I will say the beginning of the film, the structure of the back and forth, kind of threw me for a loop. I was just like, "What year is it again? Right. Where are we? Why did we come back to this again?" It's yeah. like, why couldn't we just like skip that, go to the scene that came after it, right. play that first? You know, it was it, it was uh, a back and forth, and it didn't seem necessary. Right. Um, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler to say, but I will say that the first scene in the book, if this means anything to you, okay. is the the scene where uh, Bill Skarsgård as the father takes young Alvin to uh, go punch those poacher guys. That, oh, okay. that scene, that's a very intense and good scene because that's where the movie really starts to pick up. I feel yeah. uh, it because it's that propulsion from that to the mother to everything else going through. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I want to kind of know the order that he worked with here or yeah. what he really kind of omitted because we had just done, you know, say Charlie Kaufman's adaptation of uh, I'm thinking of ending things. And yeah. he used like 15% of the dialogue in that movie and he changed a lot of things. So it's like he made yeah. choices. So I'm always curious when it comes to book adaptations what the choices were and where things could have been. But yeah. I only ask those questions if I'm 
kind of searching for something here i'm not really searching for something i think it's a good complete film the the thing is it's just what do i feel about it when it's over and will i want to revisit or or is there something that i can point to to go this is good for this reason and yeah. and i have mostly just performance and and pacing and mood more than i have story and okay. and that's where i feel like it gets knocked down a slight notch for me like if you had to put a grade on this film before we get to the spoiler stuff cuz i want to i want to play a fun game with you uh okay wh- where would you grade this if you had to put like say a letter grade on this i would say b minus okay we're in the same camp uh, i put yeah. like yeah like a b minus c plus like right on that line i i kind of had yeah. it there and i think it depends on you know how i'm feeling at the moment like am i am i concentrating on oh this was a great scene or oh this performance was really good then i think yeah oh, b plus but then when i think about like do i think about this movie when this movie isn't around like it does it have any movement does it have any legs in my right in my head and then i go well then maybe it didn't quite have the goods that i thought it did so i ride on that line too where it's at b minus c plus kind of range let, let me ask you this i mean uh you you have the um i don't want to say luxury of uh <laughs> you know watching this multiple times yes uh you know to get a feel for it to see what you're going to discuss basically either just watch it all the way through and then do a second watch with like notes or right. vice versa. Right. Um, essentially you're doing two, no matter what. Um, yeah. For the purposes of this, for sure. Would you, if you had time, watch it a third, just to just, you know, pick up on anything that you may have, you know, let fall to the wayside. I think, especially with the structure of this film, this Mm -hmm. film is more of like, I'll watch a scene. I'll watch a piece. You know, because it's a, like I said, it's a very uncomfortable, heavy sit that to kind of go through that again, it would take some time for me to dial it up if I do. Like, and it would need to watch cartoons after, after (laughs) watch with us, you know, just to wash away. Well, I'm also yeah. kind of going back and forth between watching that and doing my rewatch for Enola Holmes, which is a nice light, you know, detective, yeah. young detective story. So it's like, this is, yeah. a, this is a good pairing. I'm glad that yeah. it's kind of, this is the back to back that I'm yeah. experiencing in real time. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even this one, I will say, um, I, all right. So from here on out, I would say if you haven't seen the film, you know, we're going to do some spoiler stuff. So I want to kind of like, set this one up for you chris uh because <laughs> i will no. say the 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 second watch i'll tell you just like what happened to me when i was talking uh about uh gerald's game on this podcast uh-huh. there's a scene in gerald's game if you've seen it you've seen it yeah i've had okay um there is a, a definitely a hard scene to watch that uh people if you've seen it or read the book are familiar with with uh, a parent doing something horrible to their child yes. and as a parent myself i can get through that scene and kind of wiggle my way and kind of yeah. be tough in my uh, seat to watch that kind of a moment in a film and get through yeah. it but if i knowingly am re-watching it for the purposes of this i'm fast forwarding yep. through that scene yeah, I, of get, course. I get yeah. i get what the moment presents i get where it is yeah. i know so in the same way with this one 
uh, hello, crucified dead dog. Um, so with that said, for the same reasons on my rewatch, I'm like, yep, I totally get it. Let's move ahead. Uh, which, which sucks because that's a really pivotal part of the film because it's kind of really showing where the madness slips, you know, oh, yeah. and really changes the temperature of the whole film. Like up until that point, it's like, oh, this is sad. And oh yeah, this can get intense at times, but then it gets off the rails. Oh yeah. So that piece right there is important. And I'm sure I don't, you know, I don't think you had enough time between when you got the film to, to do a rewatch, but I would imagine, no. uh, are you an animal lover at all, or even just in general, like how did that scene fit for you? You know, uh, I, I'm glad it was off screen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause I thought we were going to see him do it. And then they, they cut away to the outside of the barn and, then you see the flash of the light and you hear the gun. Sure. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Like I'm John like, Wick hurts for the same reason though. It's the sounds yes. and the and the yelps, the cries, like it's all bad. It's all yeah. that noise that you never want to hear, especially if you're a pet owner that just yeah. yikes. And then they had to double down on in this film and of course show the dog on you know nailed to the cross yeah which was a brief flash yeah (laughs) um something he learned over in the war yeah (laughs) which by the way cuts uh right to my next point uh my favorite quote in the entire film i don't know if you have one of your own but i definitely pulled this one out because i was so (laughs) i was laughing so hard uh when they say they ask him what the hell is this the prayer log in the middle of the woods or whatever and he goes it's a prayer log, but it don't work too good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah duh, because your dad yeah. fucking killed himself. There's a dog uh, on a cross, and your mom was buried that day. Yeah, you're having a bit of a bad oh day. God, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was just like one thing after another. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, literally, I mean, they kind of yeah, want well, you to point to him. <laughs> but he ain't coming for you, apparently. No. Oh, my God. So, so Chris, I want to play a game. In the spirit yes. of what we were just talking about, I, I, I would imagine this is going to catch on big time. It's going to become okay. America's favorite game, especially after you're watching this. Uh, the game is Who Had It Worse? Oof. So I want, okay. to, I want to set this up for you. Obviously, we talked about some pretty rough stuff that already has happened in the film. Um, but then I kind of like laid it out here. Uh, to know you have a you i have three candidates but feel free to tell me that none of these holds a candle to maybe somebody else okay okay All so right. first up arvin russell uh tom holland in the adult form uh but obviously okay. he goes through quite a bit as a child as well uh so here's his timeline in the film mother dies of cancer father kills your dog father kills himself uh-huh. adopted sister kills herself by accident after being knocked up and abandoned by a no good preacher so that's his story Oof. yeah oh and also i forgot to mention in here in my notes uh when hitchhiking gets uh taken at kind of gunpoint uh, to try to become one of uh the victims models whatever of the yeah the uh fetishized Bonnie and Clyde that we have here on the road uh, doing 
horrible things. So that, okay. that's that's the Arvin Russell's <laughs> right. And if you if you don't think he's gonna continue to have the luck he has, he also has picked up again hitchhiking, trying to leave town at the end of the film, where he's falling asleep next to a person that who knows what they could do to him. Yeah, but so, I I I feel he he found a good one yeah. in hitchhiking. You know, <laughs> I hope so. Oh God. For his sake, Jesus, who, how much more can you take? So but I will say, it, are yeah. you really going to get into a vehicle with Jason Clark? No, he, he's like, got perpetual asshole face. <laughs> he looks like he went 12 rounds with someone and just, you know, he still got the swelling. Yeah, yeah. He uh. looks like he's wearing a mask of his own face over his face. <laughs> At all times, he's terrifying, and he's uh, always a jerk. Like uh, even in a Netflix stream, I watched him in Mudbound not too long ago. Okay, and even though he's not the worst of the worst in that film, his face tells me otherwise. He oh, always God. looks like he's gonna say something racist or horrible yeah. at all times. And Pet even cemetery, this one, yeah, Pet Cemetery looked like he was yes. uh, gonna cry throughout the whole thing. Yes, even when things were good, it's. He has a face of an extremely bad person. And I'm sure he's super nice. I, I, that's usually how these things happen. But God yeah. damn it, uh, does he get typecast and for good reason. Um, okay. Continue. So, I'm sorry. So that was contestant number one, Arvin Russell. All right. Yeah. Contestant number two, Willard Russell. Father dies young. So we have that. Just like, uh, yeah. obviously, we don't know what happens to the father. But he's not in the picture when this whole thing starts, when he goes into right. the military and everything else. Uh, he has to kill a crucified fellow soldier and has to suffer through the hells of war. Yeah. Comes home to uh, a new life, an optimistic life, where his wife then gets diagnosed and dies of cancer. Then he has to kill his own dog or his son's dog, however you want to put it through the lens there, and then kills himself because it's all too much to take. And his prayer log that he so carefully put together uh, didn't work in any fashion. Yeah. So that is contestant number two. My Mm -hmm. final contestant is Lenora Lafferty, who uh, her mother is killed by her father. The father never returns, but the audience knows that he ends up murdered, but she never knows and also gets to have that thought of, he might come back. He'll come right over that hill. Yep. Not going to happen because he's a murdering piece of crap. Um, She is also tortured by other boys and basically scared of attempted rape all the time. Uh, She is taken advantage of by a no good preacher and then kills herself by accident while attempting a miscarriage. So those are your three candidates. These are three people in this story. This is not like one th- bad kind of person trying to overcome. These are three fully fleshed out characters who, by the way, other people die in this movie. Many people yeah. die in this movie. Almost every character that you interact with that we've kind of talked about yeah. dies or dies inside. <laughs> in this movie but these are the top three do you have any other candidates that you would have put in uh, here i want to make a joke about uh it could be uh robert pattinson's character uh but he kind of deserves you know, what he gets nah, he deserves yeah. it yeah uh, uh man i i gotta say arvin arvin wins because he lives 
So he yeah, has so he has all to that suffer that, with it. Right. And there that, could be more to come, as we noted, with him uh, falling asleep in a stranger's car. Why, why can't you just look at uh, dangerous hitchhiking as, uh, as a, a, a nice moment there with that hippie? Yeah, and you he's know? so calm. Like, I've, if, if I had all those things happen to me. Especially, I guess re- like, within a day, maybe? Yeah. Day or two? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, just even what he experienced in those last yeah. couple of days. Yeah, for sure. But oh the, I would basically feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where I might as I'm. he's probably still got some blood on him. He might as well be, like, just laughing in terrified shock, uh, you know, while, like, trying to hitchhike and leave town. That maybe would he did be that. Almost it. <laughs> maybe he did that prior, you know, composed yeah, himself, his and he, you know, <laughs> thumbed thumb down the uh, hippie. Yeah, yeah. that sounds almost uh, <laughs> almost horrible. Um, <laughs> but not as anything more horrible than the things that happened in this movie. Oh so, my god! <laughs> like I said, man, uh, there are so many things uh, here that you know it, it just could go either way. Just all exactly. yuck and uh, other. Uh, but the performances are good. The cast lives up to yeah. the to the hype. I, this is a watch for me. I would tell people to watch it. Um, oh, yeah, but I would definitely say that it's it's not going to be one of these films. I mean, Netflix has an incredible, incredible slate of films coming up uh, that you know is going to blow the doors off of you know anything else going on so stay tuned to this podcast obviously but um or at least as long as they live up to the hype that uh is coming but you know you have a a george clooney film coming up you have a uh denzel produced uh chadwick boseman film you got his last uh, one yeah yeah you have uh hillbilly elegy that we brought up you have uh some great animated films coming up you got uh you know, Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler film coming out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he, there's there's a heck of a, a heck of a slate coming through. So you know, and even and some fun not, stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's not forget, uh, Santa's coming back. Yes, yeah, Christmas oh, Chronicles God. two just uh, trailer dropped today, or at least oh. kind of a teaser of sorts. But uh, yeah. you know, this time it's Mrs. Claus's turn, everybody. So there okay. you go. But we'll uh, look at Goldie Hawn. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, sir, for for rocking with us as usual. You're always a delight to have on, thank and I, I'm glad so we much. I'm glad we kind of we really saw eye to eye here. I'm glad uh, you didn't have uh, some kind of like you know different take on a movie yeah. like this. Like, oh no, I thought it was uplifting. You know, I don't think yeah. you were going to go that route. Uh, but Andrew, you know. this is the most exciting film ever. <laughs> I love it. It's number one. Yeah. Why are you licking a knife? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it as always.